Hello and welcome to episode 200 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan DeFrancesco and I'm... (laughs) (laughs) And I'm back! back. (laughs) So, as you can tell, we brought back one traitor. <laughs> we also back, brought we also brought back another traitor, James Rundell. You know who Hello. was a former co-host on this podcast. Boo! Mm. No Boo. one, no one even knows who James is because they could never understand him when he was the co-host on uh, the Wavelength <laughs> podcast. So. I was gonna make a funny little joke about missing you guys, but now I'm just hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like my previous impression of you, by the way, James? Yeah, I've got a bone to pick with you, actually, Wei Shen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, what can we get a? Te- can I get a teaser of it now? Hello, I'm James. <laughs> Nailed it! Nailed, Nailed it. it! All right, fair enough. <laughs> Bone unpicked. So, <laughs> I think you know. Obviously, as everybody can tell, this is going to be not uh, a traditional Waters Wavelength podcast. You know, there's not going to be a lot of intellectual thoughts. I'm sure, and uh, you know. Still. <laughs> but episode 200 uh it was a, it seemed like the right time to not only to get uh th- so it's the four of us have been the, the 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 hosts of this i'm the only one to make it from episode one to episode 200 because i have no career ambition like some other people um <laughs> but <laughs> um but our first episode was january 18 2016 we're gonna link to that one and you can listen to oh, the god. dry open. Oh god, I listened to it the other day, Dan. It is amazing that we were allowed to 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 have like another two, three, four, five episodes after that. And the other funny thing is, anybody who has been listening to the podcast will notice that we finally, after finally. four years, have new music. Um, credit Dan, to me. Credit to me for creating a banger that lasted four <laughs> years, four years, over four years. Track. At the top of the charts, I literally built that. Uh, I mean, well, sorry, I don't, I don't want to step on your toes. I'll let the toes. I was going to say, I literally went on. I mean, I can tell the whole story of the podcast, but specifically that that intro, I went on like how to make GarageBand. And it was like, first, you need a bass. And then you need, if you are in, you know, three-fourths <laughs> tense, you need to be in one-tooth tense. And like, I made the worst I made the worst song ever, but it stuck. It's and I thought it was very techy. So I tell you I what, man, it. in the worst days of waters, when I was at my very busiest and working stupid hours every day, I used to fall asleep and have nightmares soundtrack by that porn <laughs> groove. Like, <laughs> I'll never forget. Like Dan's like, hey man, I, you know, so I made actually some music for it, and I was like, oh, you didn't just? It's like, no, I made it, and I do. I, to be fair, I was like, oh man, this is really good. Good job, Dan. Well done, <laughs> and then. A hundred some odd episodes later, I'm like, if ever I get a chance, I'm going to kill Dan in his sleep. And that will be the song that is playing in the background. I stand by it. I stand by it. At my funeral, they're going to play that as they lower the the, the, uh, the coffin into the ground. Do, 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 I like you it. Feel it's upset nice. here, just so, you know, for, for old time's sake. <laughs> Hello and welcome to 
the first Waters Wavelength podcast. My name is Dan DiFrancesco, and I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology. I'm joined by Anthony Malakian, U.S. editor of Waters Technology and Waters Magazine. So what we're looking to do here is Anthony and I have talked for a while. We're both big fans of podcasts. We both listen to a lot of podcasts that are out there. We know it's a popular medium, and we want to connect with our readers in as many ways as possible. So we thought it'd be a good idea to put together this podcast of ours. Um, we're looking to do it weekly. We want to get as much feedback as possible. We want to grow it as much as possible, hear what you like, what you don't like. So we're going to give it a run. Don't want to take up too much of your time, maybe 10, 15, 7, however many minutes, just on the subway while you're walking to work. Hear a little bit about some of the biggest trends in technology, and uh, then we'll send you on your merry way. <laughs> wait, 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 when Wei Shen joined, she was like, okay, I'll join, but we have to change the music. Like, it's like that was her demand. Was You guys don't have right. good taste. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's uh... it was good, but you know, we just needed a new change. And plus, when I was coming on, it was like, you know, this is the first time a female co, a female host, you know, is joining, taking over, really. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, um, so things Fair. need to change. First, we had Dandy Francesco, who just could not pronounce names. It was just brutal listening to him try and pronounce a name. Um, and then we had James Rundle, who it sounded like... Could not, not pronounce full stop. Not <laughs> full stop. And then we had Tony Malaki, and just a pretty raging alcoholic. So at least uh, Wei Shen brought a balance uh, to the equation. <laughs> but hey, listen, the new, uh, the new music's pretty rocking. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it is, and for it those... Is... The band is uh, called uh, Matter Antimatter. Um, a friend of mine uh, was in it. Not a band that's around anymore, but yeah, uh, we appreciate them uh, uh, allowing us to use the beginning of uh, a song there. And... Is, uh, episode 200 as well. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. It's made it this far. Yeah. Well, and so, again, we're not, you know, we're going to talk about technology later on, um, but. I remember when we're going to kind of reminisce here a little bit just for the the old fans of the show. Um, And I remember when uh, Dan first brought up the idea of having a podcast. And he's like, Tony, everybody's doing like this is the next big thing. Like, trust me, everybody. I was like, Dan, you can do it as long as I have absolutely nothing to do. I just come on and I talk, but you do everything else. He's like, you got it, man. Absolutely. I just want to get this off the ground running. And did a great job. Got it off the ground and running. Launched it. We actually started to build up a following. We actually started to get C-level executives onto the onto the show um, from banks, vendors, everything like that. It was great. And then he's like, Tony, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm going to go over to Risk uh, now. And <laughs> uh, so you now get to go and deal with this on a daily basis. I'm like, uh, but... Why don't you tell us about the origins of uh, the podcast there, Danny boy? <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I, I told my, my wife uh, about this and she was like, she how was awesome is that? She, what? Well, yeah, no, she was not my wife at the time. Well, that's like a whole nother story about how my, yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I was always a big fan of podcasts when at the previous establishment that Tony and I used to work at together, I tried to push that and they were always very against it. And I was like, this is a great medium. Like, why shouldn't we do this more? And uh, so it was in, so I joined Waters in 2014. Um, and by 2015, I felt that I had like pretty well established myself in terms of like, I was comfortable in the job. I kind of had a hang at things. 
And I think at that point, <laughs> I think at that point I was, um, I was an editor. I was the self side editor. So I was like, all right, what can I kind of do next? You know? And, uh, it was, I remember it was around Christmas time, you know, the holiday season, things start to slow down. You know, no one's really around. And I feeling depressed, decide (laughs) something, start a podcast. Well, I remember I went to Tony (laughs) and I was like, Hey, would you want to do this? And he's like, we got to like prove out that we could do it. So first you got to prove that you can like do the, uh, you know, the actual thing. So we set it up, we had two different laptops and we recorded like, just like a 30 second. Well, we were first recorded like a 30 second thing. We sent it to Victor, who was the IC at the time. Victor was like, yeah, whatever. Like he probably, you know, he was like, yeah, whatever. Just go for it. So we're like, all right. So again, we did it together. And like, what people don't realize is the amount of work that thing took. We used to record it on two separate laptops and on two separate audio files. I would take both the audio files, smash them together. And then we didn't like mute or anything. So I'd have to go in and like mute Tony when he when I was talking and then mute me and then when both of us were talking he was like all right well whatever it's gonna sound terrible and like that was the origins of it and uh but yeah no we kind of went from there and probably what I mean Tony when did we get the actual the 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 better equipment oh dude well, yeah because we got that first that one little microphone that sat in the middle of the table right no 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 that was with you and James so first we had we had that blue box with the two microphones oh yeah and we used yeah, that. Yeah. That was probably maybe like 50 episodes in, right? So I want to say. Yeah, and we yeah. did that. And then, and then, yeah. And then I, and then I left, I left before a hundred. I probably left around maybe 60 or 70. And then, you, yeah, I, I mean, and then you, and then, you know, you guys took it from there. And I'm, I'm really just, I'm, I'm really pleased. You guys have obviously done great work and uh, it's Shut awesome. To see. Up, uh, so. <laughs> I'm just amazed we managed to convince Katie Palisol, who was the publisher, still is the publisher. I'm not sure. Uh, well, at the time, time it, w- it would have been Lee Hart would have been uh, the No, it was Katie who we uh, convinced to buy all that mega oh, equipment. Yes, we had no yes, idea yes. how to use Oh, yeah, you guys had, like, a whole, like, podcast <laughs> oh, no. studio. Now we actually have it. So, so then, yeah, so Dan leaves, and James, did you replace Dan? That's who you came in after? Yeah. Okay. Well, to risk, and I was at risk, and I came back to Waters. That's right. We made kind of a, an unofficial trade, yeah. and uh, we won that deal. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so James comes on, and I think that we were able to kind of convince Katie to be like, listen, you can listen to the sound quality of this. If we actually want this to be kind of prof- professional and represent Waters technology, maybe we need a little bit better sound quality here. Um, and then so we get better sound quality – which only enhanced the gravel that resides in James's mouth. <laughs> See, it sounded like rocks before. Now it sounds like a cement mixer. <laughs> so, James, what do you think when you came on to the podcast? What was your innovate? What did you bring to the table that was lacking, that was missing, uh, James? Honestly, I was just horrified I had to do it in the first place. Um, but- <laughs> This was just like, oh god! Every week we have to find something to talk about, and Dan Every did such week. a good job with it. Like, you know, and I'm Dan not a public was, speaker. Yeah. <laughs> Dan was like, I, I'll never forget. Dan was like. We're gonna do this every. We have to. It has to be done every single week, mind you. I'm the editor, and I'm like, oh god, do we really have? We can skip one week. Can't I was we? like, I'm, I'm the like, captain now. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the captain, captain now. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Like. He would do it like there were a couple episodes where it was just Dan solo talking 
Yeah. Oh, I did that. I remember I was at Sifma Ops and I'm in Miami Beach. It's gorgeous out. You're at a conference. You know, you can drink wherever you can meet people. The whole point is to be networking. And I'm holed up in my apart in my apartment, in my hotel room. Like, yeah, so the conference is really good. And, you know, blockchain's looking really interesting. There's some people talking at the DTCC about it. And because and, I was like, I have to do it every week. And I know you guys, but like, I think that is such a critical piece to building a podcast. Because if you half-ass it and if you do it like, oh, I'm going to do it now and then I'm going to do it, you know, in a couple of weeks or whatever, it's never going to get off the ground. It's got to be every week. And, yeah, um, and, and, and actually, this is actually episode like 260 of the podcast in terms of ones we've actually recorded because we forced ourselves to it every week, no matter how hungover we were. And the amount of times <laughs> that you and me recorded a podcast and then just looked at each other and went... God, that was Ugh. shit. Let's just God, do it again. We were either hungover or we'd be like, hey, you know what? Let's go to the White Horse, have a couple drinks at the White Horse, come back. And we're just, I would listen to it the next day and we're so slurring our words. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All the bosses are going to know that we're just drinking all day here. So. Sorry, none of them actually listen to the podcast. Otherwise, exactly. they've never bought us that equipment to sound more professional. Because <laughs> if people actually listen to the podcast, I'm pretty sure that we never would have gotten past 25. It would have been. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had James, and then James, the traitor, is has the infamy of quitting Waters twice uh, in his career. <laughs> But actually, before we actually before we make this transition, the transition from Dan to James is a funny one. Here's an untold story, unless you've been with us at the White Horse. Hello, and welcome to episode 73 of the Waters Wavelength podcast. My name is Anthony Malakian, the U.S. editor of Waters. Um, this next bit of news has been a relatively long time in the making. As our regular listeners know, uh, Dan Francesco left Waters to move uh, to our sister publication, Risk. So, you know, we felt it was only right to go and get someone from Risk. So we've added former Risk reporter James Rundle to our team here at Waters. Give a hello, James. Hey, guys. James, why don't you tell us about uh, before you came to America, your thoughts on Danny DeFrancesco? Oh, yeah, Dan. Um, <laughs> great guy, great reporter. Love him. Hate him so much. Uh, or at least him back in the day. So I, I worked, originally I worked for Waters in London. Um, and my my wife is American, lives in New York. And we did the back and forth thing for a few years. And I talked to her. to Victor, who was the EIC at the time. And then I said, listen, I want to move out to New York. And he says, yep. Whenever there's an opportunity out there that's, you know, equivalent to your current job, which I think was like deputy editor sell side or something at that point, job's yours, fine. So Jake Tomasis, great guy, quits. And uh, just got a, uh, he's now in the State Department, just got accepted into the that, State that Department. That oh, wow. in itself is terrifying. Yeah, he's going to be a, a diplomat in a year's time. Jake Tomasis being diplomatic and our country is at uh, risk. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Victor says to me, while I'm in New York at this time, he says, yep, paperwork's going through. It's all going to work. Come back to London. He pulls me into the room and he says, uh, listen, it's not going to happen. Uh, we've got a new guy starting here called Dandy Francesco. And from that point, I've got this little like doll in my room <laughs> and sticking pins are called Dandy Francesco. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no. Um, 
Well, to, 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 but hold on, to tell the other side of the story, too. So I start at Waters, August 2014. Tony's great, right? Every, I meet everybody. Everyone seems Amazing. great. Really excited. I'm like, this guy's awesome. He was a sports reporter. It's going to be great. Start first day. I'm all excited. I kind of meet the team, sit down. Tony says, yeah, yeah, you know, everything's great. And he goes, um, by the way, so there's this guy in London, James Rundle, who uh, he's one of the editors, deputy editors, and uh, you kind of took his spot, so he probably hate, hate you, but no big deal. All right, let's get at him. Let's write some stories. Which is kind of like, what? I remember, I, I, I actually remember, I think I told Sam, my, who was my new girlfriend at the time, my now wife, I might have even told my parents, because I was like shook. I was like, this guy's out for me. Like, Because if I was in James' shoes, I would be furious at myself. Oh, I obviously had get screwed over, but like his, like he just got married. Right. He wanted to come to America to be with his wife. He's living in London. Well, no, I hadn't got married at that point. The, oh, okay. the problem was we were going to get married when I moved over. Um, yeah. When this thing was going through. But hey, in all seriousness, I didn't hate you, Dan. It wasn't your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be fair, never showed it. Like, even though I knew he actually did hate me, never, never, no, he was, no, Jim was super nice and helpful with everything. Oh, God, and you should couldn't... have heard what he said to you about, about <laughs> your dude. Oh, my God, it was awful. awful. It was awful until I saw how big you are, and then I changed my shoe. For the <laughs> oh, he plays lacrosse. Cool. Well, he's <laughs> so, we go from Dan, we go from James. Then there's Wei Shen. Wei Shen had been to come for a couple of years, but I also want to kind of bring up the story of first meeting her here in New York City. So she had just started, right? You were just basically, uh, what, yeah, a week a month, or two in? Month in. A month no, in. Uh, oh, wait, when I came to New York? Yeah. Yeah, a month in. Yeah. So didn't really know who she was, you know, kind of just like, yeah, come on over. Um, you know, so we'll kind of take you out. And I don't know, you tell about your impressions of hanging out with us in the beginning. Because this was James and I, I think, right, at this point? Yeah, it would have mm -hmm. been James. No, it was, it, no, it was me. Yeah, yeah two of us. Yeah, a lot. Jim, Jim wasn't Jim wasn't there at the time. Only in 2017. Yeah, oh, yeah. when I came over in 2017. So in 2016, when I came over and met you guys, it was all good and fun. I still remember. I, I did come on the podcast at that time. Even we talked about like fintech in Asia or something. Yes, like that. I did yeah. have you on. We talked about sandboxes. I remember you were yeah. the first inner. I, did I have you on when you were in New York, or did I have you yes. on when you were? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah so. In New York. Yeah, so um, I still remember you guys because like that's my first time ever in the U.S. and in New York, and I was like, oh, there's so many things to see, so many things I want to do. Um, Tony knows that I'm a big fan of Friends, so like mm -hmm. I'm like I have to hit Central Park and all this kind of thing. Um, so I remember Tony saying like, oh, I hate Times Square. That's it. And yeah. you too, Dan. You were like, yeah, I hate Times Square. But um, due to I, I guess uh, a series of events. I ended up being some somewhere in Midtown, and I just randomly walked in. I was like, "Oh, look, I'm in Times Square. Oh, cool!" <laughs> so I'm just like walking, walking around, and like taking photos because you know that's what that's what you think Asians do. <laughs> All we now, do is now. take photos. <laughs> you said it, not us. <laughs> no, no. And I do take a lot of pictures. I, I know, but um. <laughs> So I walked past this uh, group of uh, Spider-Mans um, and they were like, uh, let's take a picture, take a picture, like come into this zone. I had, I had no, I was like being pulled and they would 
like looking to grab my phone and so I was like okay uh, I'm not gonna hand you my phone so I said uh, just to save myself I was like um, let's take a selfie instead so I took a <laughs> selfie with them and they were like oh um, you know do you have any you know anything for us I guess trying to ask for tips and I, and I had nothing else but like I had a $10 bill and so I, I gave them a $10 bill and then the next day I told you guys about it and then you were like why did you do that? You got ripped <laughs> off. I told you never to go to Times Square because this is going to happen to you. Square. And I'm like, no, you didn't tell me. You just said that you hated it. That's it. That's All I knew what is we meant. Don't go to it. Times Square. You had a better experience than my brother in Times Square, though, when he came over for my wedding. Yes. Yes. Uh, true. I'm not sure we should repeat this in the podcast. Yeah. I, can tell, I can tell the story <laughs> of the podcast. Like, yeah, yeah. can, but, um, <laughs> no, I, and then we took... Uh, was that the one where Dan, I, Dan, you and yeah. I went up to the so rooftop? Uh, it was in our. Oh, sorry, go on. It was. It was a PR. It was a PR event. I can't remember. Articulate, which, um, I think. Yes. Uh, is it articulate? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, it was on the uh, west side. PR. It was not near any. Not near any subways. I remember that we had to walk a long way to get there. Was it somewhere in Tribeca? I don't know. Nah, I don't think. Eh, no. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, it was a rooftop bar in New York. Yeah, a rooftop bar, and we had lots of like, we had a lot of beer there. And then you, I remember Tony very clearly saying, um, Oh, we're walking down an avenue. It's like really far from the train station. Or I don't know why you would, I think I was going to take the train at that point, or maybe Dan was too. I don't know. And you were like, Oh, let's stop along the way for a beer. Road rocket. Yeah, so we went to beer. I don't know how long we sat there. You two, I, I remember it clearly. I was, I, I sat in the middle of you two of you and um you guys grilled me about my my then boyfriend now husband <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um i ended up taking a cab home the next morning was hell and we had the rank <laughs> we actually had the rankings that day oh god the water's right that's right day. that's funny yes and which that's an open bar thing at like that starts at what 12 30 12 in the afternoon and was that yeah. when was that tim kirchin no, no, he was nighttime. Tim Kirchin was definitely nighttime. It, it might have no, been, no. Um, Tim Kirchin was water. One hundred percent was nighttime. One hundred percent. He one hundred percent was daytime. I'll bet my uh, life on it. Shit, you do have a better memory than me. Okay, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you anyway, who was, was it a little short guy that talked baseball all the time? I don't know. <laughs> she was hungover. She wasn't there. I was very hungover. And you were like, hair of the dog. Do you know what hair of the dog means? I'm like, nope. And you're like, oh, you got to drink. <laughs> you got to drink to get better. <laughs> a great boss. <laughs> so I, had, I had a beer because I was like, okay, we had lots of beers last night. So I had a beer and I was like, nope. <laughs> this is not doing it for me. Welcome so I ended up having, I think, some wine and for some miraculous reason started feeling better. But it was wine and not beer. So, up, man. That's it. Yeah. And then I'll bring you back later on. And and so Wei Shen decided not to quit after that experience <laughs> at uh, with uh, Dan and I has been with us now what four years now something like that five four five four years like that. first, four first years. of June. And actually, we share the same work anniversary as my wedding anniversary. <laughs> I, I love one happy so moment, one sad. I won't tell you which one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, the, the, the thing that I'll never forget is, so after James left, I was like, you know what? I'll just do the podcast on my own. I'll just get guests on each week. It'll be fine. Putting together a podcast and like the, 
if you're going to have a guest on doing the research, trying to make sure you sound semi-intelligent, which I very rarely ever pull that one off. It was a lot of work. So one day I, I and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to rope Wei Shen into this. And so I send her an email being like, listen, let's talk about this tomorrow. But you know, this would be really good for your career. You know, it's something you can put on your resume that you're the host of a podcast, successful podcast. You know, it's something that, you know, can really kind of help you to stand out, you know, be good for your contact in Asia. Just really, really buttered her up. Uh, hook, line, and sinker got you on. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that something. email. And actually, it, it did. Um, I, I, I thought it would be exciting, actually. And I'm really thankful to be on. And I, I, I think I'm killing it. <laughs> well, you guys are. You guys are doing awesome. And the fact that, it's gone on this long is uh, it's pretty impressive yeah. for sure. Hello and welcome to episode 174 of the Waters Waveland podcast. I'm your host, Wei Shen Wong, Asia editor of Waters Technology. New host! We have a new host! And today I'm joined by my co host, Anthony Malikian, our editor at large here at Waters. It's great. We're recording here from the Gramercy Ale House uh, up here in Midtown, in New York. In Midtown. Four years for a podcast is pretty good. Yeah. Dan, and I will give you a ton of credit because I did not see what podcast would become. (laughs) But you look at it now, everybody's like getting into the podcast game. Shit, risk got into the podcast game. I mean, yeah, who got them in the podcast game? Yeah, they don't do it nearly as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was you. That <laughs> I did that. that. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, you did, did that, and then you're like, all right, guys, I'm out of here. And then I left. <laughs> that's just <laughs> If ever he says, let's start a podcast, you know, he's going to be leaving soon thereafter. <laughs> that's the canary in the coal mine. When I start suggesting podcasts, that means I'm I'm eager to get out. That's my like the wet bandits, instead of turning on the sinks in uh, in Home Alone, I uh, I tell people I want to start a podcast. So, uh. speaking of uh, bad transitions, uh, which Dan, James, and Shen were always are and always were terrible at transitions. Let me tell you, I'm the only one who was ever decent at this. Oh sure, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we talk a little bit about uh, technology here for just a, a little while yeah. and. Um, you know, so I've been at Waters for 10 years. James, if you count, you know, when you started at Waters, when did you start at Waters the first time? You traitorous little pig that keeps on leaving. But I think it was like 2011 or something, maybe. 2011. Dan, you joined when? 2014. 2014. And so Weishan would have been 2016. Okay. Yeah. So the amount of change that we are obviously seeing is incredible in the space. Um, you know, it's, it's the way I always like talk about it is like, I remember when 10 years ago going to waters USA and people talking about the cloud and they're like, yeah, you know, some of us are working on private, you know, clouds, but we would never, ever go to a public cloud. And now not only are you on public cloud, you're multi-cloud, uh, public cloud. Um, but for, for me, what well, I, I know that technology has become everything in the capital markets because the fine folks at risk.net are wonderful wonderful <laughs> sibling publication 
have discovered that technology is a very, very important piece of uh, the capital markets and uh, oh, yeah. risk and everything like that. So it's it's been fun to watch them, you know, kind of be like, yeah, we should start uh, covering this uh, thing. Still that not do a job, eh, Tony? <laughs> Still, they've never asked me for a job. It kind of hurts my feelings a little bit, but you know, I'll just have to get over it. Like James got a job at risk. Dan got a job at risk. Tony. Never got that job offer for some reason. <laughs> you were so good at producing risk people that you were like, you're like the minor league bench coach that Thank they're you. like, I'm, you know, oh he's, the, he's the just, old grizzled manager. In exactly. And, uh, you're the Mr. Miyagi of risk reporters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it is so true. I mean, you look at like, I, I don't want to, you know, look too much behind the curtain door, but still like to this day, probably one of their most read stories is, uh, was, was Faye's story, right. About, um, uh, the model. Remember she wrote the story about the model. It was, what was it? One of the hedge funds spoke at risk.net and they said how like the model they, oh, they were going to use. Yeah. The model they were going to use, they could no longer use because it didn't, pa- they couldn't explain it. And yeah. that story did huge numbers for Rick. This was I remember years ago, back before explainability on machine learning was becoming kind of an everyday topic. Yeah, which I wrote a whole feature about, which was the feature from hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was like the last. <laughs> that was yeah. That's a whole other story. One, there's there's a great story about one source. Not a great story. A very very dark story about one source. Oh my god! I'm <laughs> not going to talk about that. But that was um, talk about dropping the mic. <laughs> that was. That feature, I I filed that feature, and literally the next day, I told I told the editors, I was like, I'm um, I'm putting in my my notice. I'm no longer working here. <laughs> this broke me, guys. Yeah, <laughs> this feature, this 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 three month long edit process uh, has broken me. I'm done. I love all those guys. To be fair, I, Chris is awesome. Tom Osborne awesome. Uh, um, uh, Duncan is awesome. So you know they're all the best. But yeah, funny stuff. Um, but yeah, text, it's changed. So, I mean, I'm curious for all of you, does anything stand out for me? It's flash boys, right? So I joined August, 2014 flash boys came out, I think April 1st, 2014. And that was like everything everyone wanted to talk about was high frequency trading, co-location, you know, how to shave microseconds, milliseconds, all these things that was all I could talk to people about was high frequency trading. And like, it was, you know, to the point where I was, you know, Michael Lewis writes a book, everyone knows, but I was, I was talking to people, like I'd meet people randomly and they'd be like, Oh yeah, you cover finance technology. What about flash boys? I mean, what does anything stand out? Like, you know, I mean, Tony, how dumb was email even around? Retrospect, you know, looking back at a retrospect, just how, how much like that. Cause I love Michael Lewis books. But you look back because and all of his books were just so well detailed. So well, this one, it was just he wasn't listening to the I think the folks on the market side and HFT side saying like this is market evolution here. This is this is not going away. This isn't going anywhere, you know. So but yeah, it's something that for a good two, three years, right, you would hear anytime you would start talking about any sort of high velocity trading and some sort of regulation, it was always flash boys would be coming up 
Yeah, I was going to say, Dan, lower your camera there. So I was just literally looking at your eyebrows there for a minute. <laughs> They're big enough already. They're just regular on my face. I don't need to focus in on them. Well, my screen is just is just frozen on Tony's face. So oh, God, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> but no, you're right. Like from, it was like from 2010, right? From the flash crash, things everyone's consumed with high frequency trading for like four years until Flash Boys came out, and then like think was it uh, the sec regulation about the source code kind of went away and yeah. artificial intelligence started becoming a big thing and fintech started becoming a big thing and everyone's kind of forgot about it i guess yeah after i never really heard any of the stories about how predatory hft was destroying markets post 2015 well, as the markets end it's like wow grandma and grandpa's pension fund is doing actually quite well right now so maybe all this that we're going to kill off grandma and grandma's pension might have been a little bit overblown. Um, obviously, there were regulations that had to come in and stuff like that. But and that, that sort of shift as well from like active to passive and like the fact that everyone realized that you could just buy a benchmark and you'd probably get more return than sort of dipping yes. in and out stock prices and everything else. Exactly. Sort of, you know. So you had some freedom there. And I, I think that also it was a it was a prime example of an industry getting caught like because michael lewis was such is such a big and again my god i wish i was one one thousandth of the writer and journals michael lewis is um but with this somehow that book hijacked conversations all over capital markets which is just weird that a book could do that when okay fine that the outside people you know people outside of the industry would be on it but that the people inside wouldn't be like, because like whenever I would go out for a drink with people and talk about Flash Boys, no one would be like, God, he nailed that perfectly. Yeah. It was like, no, it was like. It, it was kind of amazing how far, it, how far it resonated. There. I remember when it came out, I went to a talk that Michael Lewis gave on the South Bank. Uh, and I went with uh, Virginia O'Shea, who was at ITA, uh, Jeff Whitehouse, who was at Sapient, now he's at 11FS, and uh, Phil Stafford from the FT. And like we were in the kind of, one section of this massive auditorium that was packed out with members of the public who wanted to come and hear about this because they'd never heard about it before. Yeah. It was amazing how much it resonated, but then quickly just vanished into like ignominy. It was very strange. Just like the end of his book uh, vanished into whatever, where he's like, and you'll never guess who developed the microwave, whatever the... Do you remember the end of it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just drove me crazy. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, Wei Shen, what do you... So you started 2016. Does anything stand out as like, I'm trying to think. Twenty was that like blockchain? Was it big yeah. back then? Okay. <laughs> I actually kind of wish. Speaking that of I, bullshit, no. <laughs> I actually kind of wish that I, I I started with waters earlier so that I could have been part of that like Flash Boys uh, saga, I guess. Um, but yeah, when I joined, it was all about blockchain, and every it was. I remember going to or meeting a lot of people, going for conferences, and I'm like okay, everyone's saying about, oh, blockchain is great. This is what we can do with it and, and uh, you know, uh, decentralize everything. But I never really got, like, great detailed news hooks out of it. And four uh, years later. <laughs> <laughs> decentralized exchanges, what? <laughs> but I guess, like, for you as well, <laughs> like, for you, Wei Shen, like, 2016 was probably about the time that, like, um, fintech really became like a like a thing like an actual like kind of collective thing you could identify and wrap your arms around like we'd always been covering financial technology and like vaguely called it fintech now and again i think but like yeah, it was, it was like more fintech of a, steph fintech, fintech steph. steph she was steph johnson she was 
fintech meant just financial technology. Right. It, it was it never like started. a noun to describe something, right? Like a fintech or anything like that. Yeah. And like that was the time I think because I was working at Financial News at the time where we had Anna Herrera as a um, fintech correspondent. Like, and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, it's like actually like a whole new like kind of growth industry. Like, I was like, I've been covering this stuff for years before this. Like, what the hell? Um, so yeah, when you joined, I guess that was when like Cybos became huge for like which was already huge for like post trade and that kind of thing, but like huge generally for like fintech and everything else. And that yeah. was a massive shift in how this industry operated. I think. Yeah, I think I think when I when I joined, that was a, the year or maybe maybe the year before that actually that a lot of the like regulators or banks started maybe um, experimenting with like sandboxes and stuff like that. You know. Sandboxes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Hong Kong. The Hong Kong changes. Hong Kong Exchange and Singapore were both mm. huge into that, and yeah, project yeah. innovation, the FCA, yeah, yeah. and yeah, 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 yeah. It's just to jump back to Flash Boys too. Also, just to show you how much hype there was around that, the most read story in the history of our company, Risk Waters, everything like that, is my story on Julia, the Julia programming language. Blew every oh risk. Oh my god! Still Let it, it go, bro. Let it go. <laughs> Do you know the second oh most read my story god. in the history of Waters is? Dan wrote an opinion piece. Oh, dude, don't um, even get me started on this. It was oh. casting Flash Boys, and so oh, that went, be oh yeah, that one. That's the second most read. Really, it has tens of thousands of views for us, which is a huge number for us, considering that you know we're just like a small little niche player. It was crazy that you got that that story. Just it was just simply. Dan, I, and I'll never forget, you came to me, you're like, I'm going to do my opinion, because you used to do weekly opinion pieces back then, right? Right. Yep. And you were like, I want to do, like, casting Flash Boys and stuff like that. I go, oh, well, really good, hard-hitting uh, piece of opinion right there, Danny. Go for it. Uh <laughs> it was an opinion piece. I had to come up with it once a week. I was, like, a 26-year-old yeah. that had, like, no opinion on life, let alone fintech. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I remember I wrote, I wrote one about what I remember I wrote one about if um, if Super Bowl commercials were tied to financial technology, what would they be? And it was actually pretty good now that I think of it. But I said, you know the what? famous, you, you know the to I linked to them all, and you know yeah. the famous. Uh, well, I'm with we're with two internationals, so I will have to explain it. But there's a fam there's a famous Super Bowl commercial for IBM where it was like 1984, and it showed I don't remember her name, but she was a famous like hammer thrower or shot putter. And everyone's like staring at the screen and she runs through and throws a hammer and it goes through the, the screen and it blows everyone's like face off. And it's like Apple is coming instead of IBM. And I said that was like blockchain. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we had to come up with these crazy things and I came up with that. Um, to be fair, I remember I had um, Colin Farrell as Ronan Ryan and I had him on. We had him on the podcast. And he was very pleased with that casting selection. So I stand by it. You guys don't have to answer this, but I think it would be funny because I was thinking about like, what's the worst thing I've ever written while at Waters Technology? Okay. And I'll never forget the worst article I ever wrote. And it still haunts me to this day. I was early in my career. I tried and we were just on deadline. I wrote something about fund administration technology and just trying to find a trend story and just missed the mark so far. Like it just was the most useless article that 
that I, I was like, oh God, it still haunts me to this day. And as the editor in chief now, I'm like, I could just unpublish that, but I go, no, that state that that mark stays out there for the rest of your life. That's out there. <laughs> Does anybody want to take a? They don't have to. You know, I, I don't mind saying mine, but uh, I while think it was, uh, for me, it was one of our weekly opinion columns. We were just talking about that we were forced to write, and uh, invariably ended up being rubbish. I think Shocking. one week I phoned one in so hard it was something about derivatives regulation. I I just didn't want to deal with it, so I ended up writing like 800 words about a drinking game I played in like my first year of college or something. <laughs> and at the end of it, I literally just wrote, "And that's why derivatives are hard and regulators can't figure it out." <laughs> <at> the end. Wish <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have one? Uh, I can think of one at the, at the moment, but give me give me a second. Are you I have. Yeah, I, I have one. Tony, I don't know if you remember this. This is what I thought you were talking about. So there was a um, there was a study done by some researchers that said front running didn't exist or there was no longer such thing as front running or there was like a, such a limited amount of front running. This gets back to the Flash Boys point. So I wrote a column, The Death of Front Running, and I got dragged on Twitter so bad and what really pissed me off was it what i wasn't saying it was the death of front running this was a study that i was writing an opinion piece on and i remember in the piece i was very balanced in that like this probably does exist but it's not as predatory as it's made out to be by a lot of folks and blah 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 but i was gonna put a question mark on like death of front running comma question mark but another colleague who i won't name had <laughs> written a story with a question mark on it. And I remember Tony being like, man, that's Never such trash. Don't ever put a question mark on the title. <laughs> it is, that's it such is a, trash. that's such a trash way to do an opinion piece. And I was like, okay, I can't do a question mark. So I wrote it like a statement and I got dragged on Twitter and online and people were like, you're an idiot. I just got front run today. Like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, and it turned out the data wasn't as strong, like the study. And I had tried to reach out to the professors. They didn't get back to me. But that's the one piece I remember that I was like, oof, oof, that was a bad one. And I was probably hung over when I edited. I was like, yeah, sounds good to me. But I publish it, man. I yeah. <laughs> so, uh, wait, Shen, you got one that you wanna that you wanna submit uh, to this? Uh... Keep on talking. I'll come back to you. <laughs> wow. I do have I do have one from before Waters, which I think is probably the worst correction I've ever had as well, which was. Um... Uh, my very very early days as a journalist I was working in my local newspaper and I uh, misattributed a quote to someone and then I got an email, a phone call straight away uh, which is bad enough as it is um, but then I had to put a correction on it saying that uh, a previous version of this article attributed this quote to Mr Thompson we'll call him it was in fact Mr Rogers who said this because Mr Thompson is dead yeah that was bracing well, actually, Dan and I can maybe both talk about this because Dan and I both I, I didn't know Dan, uh, believe it or not, before he applied for a job here at Waters um, or he had kind of reached out to me because I put something up on. So we went to the same university, Plattsburgh, but I'm much older than him. So uh, I was there. <laughs> Let's make that clear. Much, much older than me. And just like me, he, <laughs> he followed in my footsteps from Plattsburgh, became a sports reporter at uh, this newspaper called The Journal News. And. So I'll I'll what 
just led me to become a financial technology. Well, basically, I, I first worked at American Banker and then came here. But it's not even that I'm embarrassed by any of the stories or anything like that. But there is it having to go and cover a little league baseball game in the summer for the Journal News and just going up to a little eight year old kid, you know, hey, Timmy. <laughs> So you just hit an inside the park home run because there was five errors on the play. Uh, what does it feel like to win the game? <laughs> I'll never forget. I was like, you know what? I will write about any. I, I wanted to be a sports reporter. And I was like, I don't want to have to do. I want to talk to. I don't want to have to talk to people that, you know, God bless Timmy and his home run. And I'm sure <laughs> seeing his name in the paper was the coolest shit ever. I wasn't a good enough athlete at that age to get my name in the paper. But that was the one that led me to be like, I need to start examining. I, I, I just got to get out of this. <laughs> Look at your life choices. I told this to somebody the other day. I said that uh, somebody asked me, oh, you went from sports to covering fintech. Like, what was that like? And I said, um, to be honest, the people covering sports, especially when you cover it where Tony not covered it, which the lower Hudson Valley is a very affluent area. It's Westchester County. It's a lot of Wall Street folks. When you cover a place like that, those parents of those children are far more ruthless than any oh, yeah. executive oh, yeah. I have ever yeah. dealt with on any any story. I, any um, story. I covered Hollywood before I covered uh, the city and, and Wall Street and stuff. And people used to say, oh, do you not miss covering films and TV? I was like, are you kidding me? People are way nicer in finance now than Hollywood. <laughs> way nicer. Yeah, the stereotype of like the mean banker. It's yeah. it's nowhere close to the, the angry mom that wants her son in the uh, newspaper. Usually in my class, but we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, true. And by the way, in case you're wondering why Dan's sound is so weird, it's because he's just walking around his house. Just oh, I'm sorry. This, I'm, I'm sorry. Was my was my audio messed up? I had to relocate. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. I no, apologize. I just could hear that we, you were walking around. That's all. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, I'm walking around my spacious apartment. That's a my fifteen thousand square foot apartment. Yeah, exactly. We've been inhabited for months now. Yeah. That is luxury in Hong Kong, man. That is luxury. I have. I'm in like a three hundred square feet apartment. So. Wish and I do not have a fifteen thousand square foot apartment. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I thought for a moment you said 1500 but I, oh, yeah. oh no not even 1500 nope <laughs> so the worst gonna... thing i've ever written um it was actually before i joined waters uh and i which is one reason i think i will never join a newspaper maybe back in malaysia again so we used to you know have like fillers so I, I used to write for the business section, right? And we would have little fillers that we need to, uh, well, fillers for the page. And it would have to be like um, file, corporate filings. So it either could be like an earnings filing or like small little pieces of 150 word kind of like news. And I just hated it. Hated it to call it. It made me, it made me want to leave journalism, actually. That's, I up here. That's why so many people leave journalism is those early jobs just make you, well, you got to really it's fight. It's soul crushing. Soul crushing. Yeah. For sure. So what was yeah. the worst filler you ever had to write then, Hoysha? Mm, I, there were so many. I, they were all bad. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, one of my favorite stories, I get, I, I have quite a few favorite stories from before I joined uh, Waters. Um, <laughs> I think Before I told you about this. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it was the, the the good thing about.
about working for a, a newspaper, a business section of a newspaper is I, I was exposed to so many different industries. So I was supposed to exposed to banks, uh, plantation companies, consumer goods, everything like that, right? And uh, I covered this uh, um, condom manufacturer that went to IPO. <laughs> It was amazing. I mean, it was just so fun, and it, like all the puns that I could use in the story. <laughs> say, it's it's got to be condom company suits up for IPO or something, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> the headlines write themselves. <laughs> yeah, and then when they had like a when they had like a partnership deal, like with another con, with actually a Boston a Boston um, condom manufacturer. <laughs> yeah. Market's pregnant with anticipation. It writes one. itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of good transitions, um, <laughs> I think uh, one, one, one point actually before we tra- yeah. before we transition to your your awesome segue that was going to happen just then, um, I think one thing I just want to say on the tech side of things is that it's amazing how I think you touched on this earlier how cloud has changed. Like that's probably the biggest transition I think I've seen. Like from covering back in the day when you had, like you said, people saying, "Well, maybe we'll do like a private hybrid model." We had like Nisey come out with this community market cloud yeah. platform or something and like, like fin cloud from nasdaq and stuff um to now where it's not even a question just like everyone is on it and people are talking about it as a future that, that whole like shift in attitude has been probably the most amazing tech thing i've seen yeah i, I, mean, I, mean, I forget I, I remember uh chris peretta i think he's still at uh no he left i think um but he was at state street cio a long time sorry if he's still there and i i just been a little while since i've spoken with him um but he was the first bank you know cio cto that would talk very very highly and glowingly of the cloud in a public setting um and even then it was mainly around private cloud though you know it wasn't around public cloud you look at the last just two three years that shift of the embrace of microsoft google you know amazon of course ibm to a lesser extent and then and the capital markets to a much lesser extent, Oracle. It's incredible, I think, that, yeah. you know, just, you know, they wouldn't, from what we would never do this to just a couple of years later, absolutely, we're doing this with two different cloud providers. I mean, it was a curse word. Like, public cloud was essentially, it was taboo to mention it, to talk about it, you know, uh, forget about putting data up there. You know, and definitely forget about putting customer data up there. And that's still for a lot of financial companies, that is still the case, you know, to a large degree still. Uh, but sort of. it, not, not entirely that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's to now where we're at now, where like it's the basis of every single type of innovation. And, you know, you have senior former executives from AWS at Goldman Sachs now playing a critical role in kind of how things are being rolled out. Like, it's just it's uh it's incredible how quickly things change and and the tune change for for that tech specifically and I agree I with Jim I think it's it's such a jumping off point for everything else whether it's AI machine learning yeah. NLP you know more, better use of data it's just that's that's the but, the starting point and I would argue that it you look at cloud and it's whenever we talk about new technologies and everything like that. And because anybody who's ever listened to the podcast, you know, whenever I talk about blockchain knows I'm not a big fan. Um, though we try and have people on, like uh, we had Jennifer PV of DTCC on uh, the other week. Um, 
I'm not a big. I, I just don't believe it's this revol. It's it's certainly not the revolution they promised, and it's. I I think that a lot of time has been wasted on it. But the thing about cloud was it became so prevalent in other <clears throat> industries, and then it filtered into the capital markets. Well, yeah. Same thing with machine learning, right? It, it started out in other places, and then as big data came in. I think the way you have to look at it is not necessarily as a revolution of itself, but cloud is like the foundational layer of like the future state of technology. So you look at like the internet of things, you look at 5G, you look at machine learning and AI and everything else. Like that, you can look at them kind of in isolation, but if you look at them together with the cloud as the layer that powers it all, that's really where the change is. And I think and that's what and now, and now blockchain, blockchain, you see so many companies trying to be like blockchain in the cloud now, like they're because right. they realize we can't stand alone on our own here, you know. We have to get in on that. So I think that for me, because I'm sure I wrote plenty of, I still write plenty of stupid articles. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just what's going to happen. I can't help it. But, um, you know, when you start out and you've never covered financial technology, you, you're, you're amazed by how much you're bombarded by this is the next great thing. And then you talk to a really, really smart person and you're like, God, and they make it sound like, Jesus, this really is impressive. And I think that cloud was has helped me kind of as a barometer to kind of see this is something that you watch how it, it, it weeds throughout other industries, and then it will seep into the capital markets. Mm -hmm. Machine learning to help with big data. You know, you see how it's used in other industries, healthcare, defense, whatever it is. And then the real use cases will eventually start to come into the capital markets. Very rarely does the capital markets lead the way, except when it's on kind of that maybe microwave technology, something you know, around the high frequency trading stuff. Um, I don't that that's my impression. I got. I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but it's uh, it's yes and no. I think the, the the financial services sector has been a huge developer of cloud. Definitely for like those use, for data science, particularly and stuff you mentioned. That's the natural use case for it. But um, yeah, I, didn't, you, I mean, well, I'm curious. What do you what do you think? I'd be curious everyone's thoughts, especially you, Wishen, and, and Tony is where you guys sit. What do you make of all data? Because that's had a an interesting kind of past few years. What do you? What's your current kind of view perspective on where that space is? I want to hear this as well because it was so big, like what two years ago. And... Right. Well, so in the capital capital marks, I think my take is everything is all data now, but because the capital markets were so clearly defined when we were starting out as market data, reference data, and then there was some other data. Now that we can be able to use the cloud to store, process, analyze, use machine learning to dig through these massive data sets. It's almost like it's this whole different beast. It's this whole different entity that's almost replaced, not replaced market data, but you can't just have your market data anymore. It's now market data and then infused with whatever alternative data you're going to try and throw in there. Um, and this is only going to grow with IoT and 5G. Th that's what the future is. There's just going to be more and more data that's going to be pouring in. So how do you kind of pull all that in, structure it, and then create useful insights? That's what the 
you know, it's not market data and reference data anymore. Those 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 are just data sets that are just going to become a given. Though that's probably the that that's probably a really dumb statement when you consider how much of a market data fight that there is right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right now there are people who will be like, I'm paying X amount for market data. What the hell is this dumbass talking about? So, <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of always my my thing when I was talking to old days people back when I was covering this. Like, you know, I get the whole idea behind it and the usefulness and stuff like that but uh you know at what point does that just become fundamental data eventually the stuff that is useful gets used and the stuff that isn't gets kind of filtered out and you know do people have the bandwidth and the wavelength to keep experimenting with like footfall data for weird things and all the rest of it but hey i don't know right yeah, yeah. i think i think uh and a lot of I mean, when, when I speak to a lot of people, they, they still don't know how they want to use it. And they, they see it like it's to me, all data is like the conversation we had with blockchain in 2016. They right. want to use it, but they don't actually know what it takes to use it properly. And to be able to we're like, oh, we're going to use alt data to help us generate more alpha. Well, that's not as easy as it as it seems. You know, there's so much else that needs to go into it. And Tony and I have previously talked about this on, on uh, I, I think, maybe my second or third podcast as host. Um, they need to learn how to, like, fail fast and, like, use, you know, have, have like, a, I guess, a, um, an arsenal of, like, different alt data providers that they can use, or different types of alt data, then they can continue experimenting with it and then and then know what actually really works and have that agility to move very quickly um, either when they know when they, they find out that oh I'm I, uh, I think this is not gonna work let's cut it cut, cut our losses and move on to the next thing and um, yeah but I, I I really think that that that's a it's like a I, I don't know the like a, a like as though they strike goal um, it's like yeah all data is it's the new thing, um, and we were we were yeah, and and we were talking about this uh, actually maybe in it's gonna come out uh, in in last week's podcast. Um, actually, no, it's not. <laughs> we talked about this personally. Um, so, you know, it, it, just looking at sentiment data alone, um, what sort of bias could lie within there? Because if you consider the amount of people that actually what are the the, the uh, I guess the profiles of those actually posting, for example, on Twitter? You know, um, are all of us posting on Twitter? I mean, I know you guys do, but I mm -hmm. I'm not. So, it, like, how what kind of profiles go into uh, in, into those Twitter posts, and you know, how is that impacting? Like, if if the cap someone in the capital markets use it, how would that impact like the markets? Would that be a true picture of like, oh, this this is the sentiment data we find from uh, for for example for uh, this particular stock? You know, not everyone that has an opinion will actually say what they think about that. Yeah, I think people are moving away from 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 social media same people are trying to move away from social media like i post <laughs> here and there now on twitter but not nearly as much as i used to yeah, yeah. i i don't know it's, it's it's the old axiom that people only write reviews and they want to complain right That's yeah. the thing. so it ends up being biased yeah I don't yeah know. yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's interesting i i think you know 
obviously last year I think was was a tricky year for all data. I think that it exploded in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it it had some issues. You know, there were a lot of layoffs and you know, a lot of companies had a lot of, you know, faced a lot of tough times. I do think, you know, the a lot of the all data providers I think are probably looking at the you know, no one's happy about the pandemic, but this has been a boom for them because traditional data is falling short because everything's so crazy. There's all these outlier events, people staying home, all these different things. And I think a lot of them are kind of positioning it as like all data is this is the exact moment because you can kind of quickly spin up a model around all data as opposed to like traditional data and all that stuff. So I, it's, I, I find it fascinating. I do agree with you all though, that it is like the definitions are tricky. Like what's all alternative data and when is it not just become like regular traditional data and just is data, just data. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's all really just, I find it really fascinating. So there is an element to what you're saying. I think like, I don't know if you guys saw, but back when the COVID pandemic really broke out, uh, UBS sent an email around to a lot of its uh, media lists saying that we're making all of our alternative data available for journalists to have a look at in terms of like, you know, not the usual kind of manufacturing indexes, but also stuff like supply chain and everything else, because it's useful to figure out what's going on. So right. yeah, yeah. that's definitely a use case. I, I think that what we're going to see is similar to how ESG, I think, eventually will get broken out with ESG, because just you're, you're talking about too much to package into one thing. And it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me to have this massive, massive grouping of data sets all under one roof that I think that similar to alternative data that you're going to have your market data, you're going to have reference data. I think five, 10 years out, we're going to see that alternative data split. It's going to kind of be slice and dice and we're going to create new kind of, because right now what we call alternative data as being everything other than market and reference data, it's, it's too big. And right. I think that's, eventually there's going to be somebody's going to come along with a better buzzword better whatever it is and then we're going to rally behind that and sometimes buzzwords are good um sometimes it is it does make sense to actually put clarification around something but right now i think it's just it's stupidly big right now <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of good transitions <laughs> <laughs> how about we uh wrap up on because Anybody who's been listening to the podcast for many years knows that we traditionally like to have um, an end fun segment um, where we don't talk anything about technology per se. Um, though we've gotten a little bit away from that. You know, usually we have the guests on and we don't always have an end segment. But anyway, I'm rambling now. Um, <laughs> that's that's what I bring to the to the podcast is <laughs> rambling. Um during the lockdown, how about we? I think a favorite of ours has always been what we're binging on TV, um, what we're watching. Uh, Dan blowing kisses to his wife as I'm assuming she's going to bed. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so, who wants to take the first stab at the best thing that they've seen during the during the pandemic, during the lockdown? What's their favorite show? If they have to put their, all right, whatever you guys say, this is this is my favorite, and I'll challenge you anything. If any of you say Tiger King, I'm going to say you're an idiot, but go on. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Let me stop you. You did not like Tiger King? I liked the first two episodes of Tiger King, and I was like, 
Jesus, this is really long. I get the point. It's cra- the the crazy factor. Once the crazy factor leaves, it really lost a lot of interest for me. And I was like, this is a documentary that really desperately needed an editor. It did not need to be four episodes, six episodes, whatever the hell ended. I thought you finished it. I did. Of course I did. Oh. But I hate watch the last couple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first. So, um, and I, I talked to you a little bit about this before, Tony. I, if there's anything that I really, really like during the pandemic, or I mean during this time anyway, that so far that I've watched is Space Force. You like Space Force? I love Space Force, and the thing is, I I never really got into like so it's it stars Steve Carell, right? I never really got into like The Office or like that kind of humor, but it it does have that Steve Carell kind of like no, it, I, I wouldn't call it cringe. It just oh. made me laugh so much, and it it, it just it just made me happy. I mean, talking about shows, space. I I watch a couple episodes. I feel like that that show should have been centered around Malkovich, like Carell's character. I just I can't take it. I, every time his character, and it's most of the time, I'm just like I tried it because you showed me the one that there's one fantastic uh, clip in it that we won't talk about here. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I I couldn't take it. I don't know. Has anybody else watched it? No, I've been waiting to watch it, but um, it just seems a bit on the nose given that there is actually a space force that's just being formed now. I don't know, but it's kind of put me off watching it. Oh, and it's very much they. It's very much as if it's a documentary. About I was going to say like this when uh, do you ever hear of a show called The Thick of It that was in the UK? Yeah. It was like a political one. Armando Iannucci wrote, and he. Uh, I think he said around the time that the whole Brexit thing was going on that he couldn't write a thick of it season three because politics was literally too absurd for him to mock. <laughs> I don't know if that's like, hmm. kind of like the way it is a space force now. But I haven't seen it. So. Danny, you I, watch it? I watched like uh, an episode and I was very unimpressed. So not for me. <laughs> Sorry, Wei Shen. Sorry, Wei Shen. Dan, you want to go with... Uh... So I have a few here. I'll, I'll rile through a few. One, and my international colleagues might appreciate this. Uh, Formula One Drive mm. to Survive is awesome. Now, it's a fascinating I, sport. It <laughs> is. So I know nothing about Formula One coming into it. I know nothing about racing. I was never a big NASCAR guy, never a big F1 guy. And I was home one day on a Sunday, as one is, and I was like, ah, let's check this out. And there's been two seasons, and it essentially tracks the Formula One, which if you're not familiar, and Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe there's 20 racers, correct? Right? This is beyond my Ken. Oh, okay. I think there, so it's, so the Formula One, and I, please don't send me an ang- angry email. I'm picturing like an angry European being like, you did it's not get the- Max Bowie. Max Bowie's going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I believe it is, there's 10 teams. Each team has two racers. And so there's 20 racers and they go all around the world and they do these races. Uh, Thanks for the math. (laughs) No, but it it is, uh, it's fascinating because there are much like, and there's something about European sports where there's like this, it's very interesting. I don't know. Tony, I'd be interested to hear your perspective and, and Wei Shan and Jim as well. There's almost like this acceptance in European sports where like some people are, it's like, okay, if you're no one, not everyone expects to be the champion. So like in formula one, for instance, like Mercedes, uh, Red Bull and uh, Ferrari are the teams competing to be the top. But then there's like, um, 
there's a French uh, team I can't think of. There's like these other teams, and they no, no, it's not Pujol. It's, it's Rene, wasn't it? Rene, Rene, yeah, and they and they understand that they're not going to. They they understand that they're not going to be the top tier teams because their cars aren't fast enough or whatever it might be. So they're like comfortable being middle of the table. And it's just and I know this, you know, obviously the same thing happens in the Premier League where like, you know, like for the most part, you know, the, the Leicester cities of the world, you know, don't expect to win. Right. They expect to be kind of middle of the table. It's just it's hard to explain, but you have to watch it because it's 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 really it's really well shot, like a well shot sports documentary. In my mind, there's nothing better. And um, it, yeah, so that's that's one that I think is is really good. Another uh, before, before you oh, go on, I just because I haven't watched that, but one of the greatest out Michael the Michael Jordan documentary just came out was fantastic. So that that Correct. one is up on the pantheon of greats. But um, if anybody's ever watched Senna, it's uh, by oh. the same guy that did Amy, and there was another one, Senna. The awesome. the shots that they had where the cameras on the car and stuff like that. I was I've never watched Formula One. I was like I wanted to stay up until one o'clock in the morning watching. I was like no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so, <laughs> but I can certainly see like even like the best movie from 2019 in my opinion was Ford versus Ferrari. Like that was oh, just what what oh apparently that's a hot take. <laughs> Oh my God, Tony! Did you have a bunch of kids? Are you a forty-five-year-old dad with like <laughs> Nikes? And did you love that? And then go 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 uh, mow your lawn. Ford vs. Ferrari was the best movie of twenty nineteen. Are you kidding me? Twenty nineteen, best movie I watched from the twenty nineteen. I agree with that, but I didn't think it was a good film. But, yeah. I mean, like Parasite was incredible. Parasite, I I thought was incredible, and I was, and and I I fine. It won uh, the Academy Award. I was laughing my ass off. I viewed it as a comedy because I loved it is, dark it's a black comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was crying laughing. I, for me though, it was, I don't know. I, I love Paris. I think it's a great movie. I just think that Ford versus Ferrari, just top to bottom, the acting, everything, you know, I, wait, I, wait, I, Shen, what do you think? I need some, I need some, you know, some, some I, I, have, I haven't watched Ford versus Ferrari, but I, I really <laughs> shockingly, it's not as big of a show. <laughs> <in> a... <laughs> oh, Parasite was was amazing, and um, actually, someone from um, uh, Broadridge actually told me to watch it, watch it, and uh, because I had I had spoken to him about like some Korean dramas before. Um, anyway, um, so <laughs> on the flight. If I believe on the flight to New York last year when I came out, um, I watched it and it was it it blew my mind. I I could not sleep after that. I had Wait, to watch like, something else on a flight too. God, there's nothing worse than watching a movie on a flight too. Oh, well, I didn't have access. I didn't have access to it. It wasn't out in, in it wasn't out in cinemas here in in Hong Kong yet. And so when I saw that it was it was showing like um yeah on the flight, I was like. I, it. I'm gonna watch it now. Can can we all agree that 1917 was a piece of shit? No, we can't. It was a great. Film. What? Oh 1917 was incredible. Oh my god, you guys suck. I hate you all. This is this is why I'm glad. Move out of Brooklyn. Anymore. Move out of Brooklyn and stop being such a hipster. 1917 sucked. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> I was oh my. for the Germans, but I was Wei like, Shen, how, Wei Shen, how do you do this show every week with this guy? Like, how can you talk to this guy every 
All right, okay. Yeah, I, I put him on mute sometimes. I cut out a lot of his sections, you know. That's Actually, Red's got, this, Red's got this great photo of a dog just looking like kind of screwed up face every yeah. time Teddy says something she posts, and it's so apt. It's perfect. <laughs> all right, here's another then one. Have What did you all think of Uncut Gems? Okay. I tried watching it. The sound of it, it, it's a movie where everybody's talking at the same time and there's music playing. And I know that this makes me sound like a very old man. Oh, my God. I could not <laughs> take it. I couldn't. Put on your I, new balances. I, your, your lawn needs to be mowed right now. I, my, I, I wear Sauconis, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just I couldn't take it. I know it makes me old man. I don't know. I, I love gambling. I gamble on the horse race. During the whole pandemic, I was like, I always had sports because there was always horse racing going on. Couldn't oh. do it. What about Wei Shen or uh, Jim? Did you guys see it? What do you think of it? Uh, no, I didn't see it. I remember, Tony, Tony, you told me about it. And uh, you, I, I can't remember Shit what up. you said about it, actually, but I, I, I didn't get around to watching it. It's it's awesome. I didn't, I'm, I'm not as big a fan as the Safi Brothers' other movie with um. With Robert Pattinson, the name is escaping me right now, but I didn't like that movie as much. I thought Uncut Gems was awesome. Side note, the gambling part of it is a little bit inaccurate. They could have used an advisor because some of the bets that Adam Sandler makes. But one more fun fact about it, when you do watch it, there is a character named Roman that works with Adam Sandler as the diamond cutter. That is the gentleman who I bought my engagement ring from. He is an actual jeweler in the diamond district. He is actually my wife's cousin's uh, father-in-law. So, wow. Did yeah. you all pick up on the humble brag right there? Uh, <laughs> not only did he buy his diamond in the Diamond District, not only did he have an inn inside the Diamond District, <sighs> a humble brag right there. No, man. no, no, no. But, uh, but yeah, it was actually a funny story. He was literally in the Diamond District. Adam Sandler's scout was like, you look perfect. You need to be in an Adam Sandler movie. And he basically told her to like kick rocks. He's like, you're not. And she's like, okay, I'm going to come tomorrow with Adam Sandler. He's like, okay, this is my address. You come. And the next day, sure enough, Adam Sandler showed up in his like little office in the diamond oh, district shit. and was, and was like, yeah, he like showed up and he was like, we would like to have you in. Um, he's like, we would, he would like to have you in uh, the show. Here's so. my Adam Sandler story for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was filming a uh, big daddy. Um, and I was working at a Friendly's. If anybody outside of Northeast America doesn't really know, Friendly's is like an ice cream restaurant, ice cream shop uh, restaurant kind of thing. And we had this, I was, it was the afternoon shift on like a Saturday. This regular customer named Charm would come in and she would always be like, butter, butter. I have a, I'll have grilled cheese uh, with uh, peas and butter, two, two butters, butter, butter. And so, yeah, she was just one of those upstate regulars. And she walks in one day and she goes, Tony, Tony, you see uh, Adam Sandler. He's at the Wendy's across the street. And um, literally back then, I was also talking to people this way. But I was like, F up, Charm. <laughs> Adam Sandler's not at, not, at the, not at the Wendy's across the street. Sure enough, a helicopter had landed in the parking lot. He shot a thing there. So that's my favorite thing is wow. I'll never forget Charm. I, I she passed away later on, but um God bless her soul. Charm. <laughs> that's my, that's wow. my that's how everybody in Carmel knew her, man. Anybody who grew oh, up in Carmel, gosh. if you went to the Carmel Diner or the Friendlies, you knew Charm. 
Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> so, who's got another uh, movie, TV show that uh, they're highly recommend that they want to put out before I rip on it? I got a couple. Uh, so I watched uh, the last one I watched before lockdown was Gretel and Hansel, which was actually quite good, surprisingly. Wasn't um, that that uh, wasn't that a movie like a couple years ago or something? Is is it, horror, is it... A horror one. Yeah, it came out. Like, it came out this year. It came out just before um, everything shut down. Um, oh, okay. It's like on the, based on the the uh, yeah. fairy tale, obviously, but like really well done. Um, like, I kind of they flipped it slightly, so it's more about like female agency versus like kind of, hence why it's called Gretel and Hansel versus Hansel and Gretel. Hmm. Second one was uh, Capone because I watched Tom Hardy in literally anything, man. I think he's a great actor. Like one of the Is best that a generation. Movie? Capone was fairly new, wasn't it? So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would figure I'd watch that movie. It's all about the last year of his life when he's got like a dementia called syphilis. Like, syphilis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's got the whole like, unreliable narrator thing, but it's Tom Hardy doing it, so it kind of just it he just dominates the entire film. It's really good. Um, and I think the TV show I watched recently was uh, it was by so you and me have never agreed on this, but it's always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, the main guy from that, Rob McElhenney or something. Yeah, McElhenney. Um, so he did this new show, which was kind of like in partnership with Ubisoft, the games company, called uh, Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. And it's all about um, this video game production studio. God, um, why did we even ask you? Why did we even ask <laughs> well, you? Why did you ask me? Jesus Christ, these all suck as suggestions. Like, <laughs> just I'll, terrible. There's <laughs> one more. There's one more I want to recommend. Yeah. Uh, Dead to Me. Dead to me. I saw the first season. First season was good. Second season. No, mm. sec- second season was good. Mm. Did you finish it? I did not. My wife did. I did not. Did she like the ending? Uh, I think she was. I think she was into it. I don't, it wasn't. It's so oh. You have to like it, Tony. You you gotta watch it, James too. <laughs> I would good. definitely do that. The first season is good. The first season is very good. I would, I would say. Second season, though, mm, second season's good too. It's um, who is it? It's it's uh, Christina Cena Applegate. Uh, and I don't remember the other. And who's the other co-star? I can't think of her name. Yeah, she's in a bunch of stuff, but uh, she and then was the mother in How I Met Your Mother, right? Was she? I don't know. I never watched that. Was she not? Show. How I Met Your Mother. There was a mother in How I Met Your Mother. There was. The yeah. Uh, I don't wait, know. wait. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. Oh, she was the mother. And how many mother? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, the suggestions here are not very good. All right, so Dan, maybe it's pull- Michael Jordan documentary. We agree, one of the great sports documentaries of all time. Yes. Yes. Extremely Absolutely. good. Yeah. I. Uh, I'm trying to think of. And I don't like that. Everybody like basketball. I. I was a fan of 90s basketball. I haven't really paid much attention, you know, to basketball in recent years. Dan is still a very big uh, Knicks fan, sadly mm-hmm. for him. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that was just – that was a compelling story. Yeah, it was really well done. It had video where – you know, it, it had video. So the whole – if you don't know the story, they essentially had a documentary for the final season. They had all this video footage, and then they sat on it for – over 20 years because they had they didn't have the sign off to actually use it and then finally they got the agreement so then it was this great footage that had never been seen before in addition to all the interviews and i thought like the usage of the so they would like interview someone and then 
take the iPad and give it to Michael Jordan or give it to someone and like play the interview back to him and then he would respond to it. So the stuff about like between him and Isaiah was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, as sports documentaries go, it was uh, it was one of the best. I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, I liked the the most recent Lance Armstrong documentary. I thought that was pretty good, although the the second part dragged a little bit. I haven't seen the Bruce Lee documentary, although I've heard good Bruce things. Bruce Lee was good. Yeah, was good. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was very good though. It was very good. Oh the, oh, the other one for sports doc. If you're looking for one, Jim, I don't know if you enjoy this. Uh, Sunderland till I die is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, What's it about? It's about Sunderland. Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about Sunderland. And if you don't know, and Jim, you are more of a Premier League expert than me, but Sunderland's very, it's a Northern town in England, um, very blue collar, very supportive of the team. The team was in the Premier League for a long time. It got, a few years ago now, it got demoted to the Champions League. The first season is about them in the Champions League hoping to succeed to get back to the Premier League. There's a second season. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but things, Do don't go as, things don't go as planned in season one. So there is a season two. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, it's fantastic. And it's really riveting. Um, and then the other one that's really good is the the other end of the spectrum is, and I'm a Manchester City fan, but the um, uh, the, <laughs> the, the City Doc is really good. That was on the Amazon. City, actually, to be fair, the City Doc is great. I mean, the to get to get that type of insight on a sports team that's essentially like the equivalent, like that'd be the equivalent of like the New England Patriots, which would they would never do. But you have like Pep Guadoya and and like all I didn't pass his name right. <laughs> But that's very good. It's good to see that your pronunciation of names has not failed in all these years. <laughs> I got another weird show. I got another weird show for you if you guys want. Uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robbins. Have right. any of you watched it? No. No. Oh my god! It's a what? sketch. It's a sketch comedy show. It's, oh god! It's Tony. When we get off, watch it. Please. You'll. It's the. It's the funniest thing ever. It's the funniest thing ever. So All right. I, I got, I got, uh, so uh, the cast of Date Dead to Me was is Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. And Linda Cardellini actually isn't in How Many Mother. I got, I got <laughs> them. <laughs> I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, I think that, you know, we, this has been a fun little get together. We'll do it again in episode 400 when I'm still working here and there's about three, four other hosts that, uh, <laughs> that have uh, joined. But um, I don't know. So let's let's go around the horn. So the three of you are married. I'm smart. I'm not married. Um, <laughs> though Alice is in the... Uh, you know, the smart, so. Love yeah, you, baby. Sure. Uh, You're technically married. Come on. Yes. Like a married couple. Commonwealth, certainly. Old, old <laughs> stress on the old, old married couple. You call an Alice old? I'm gonna let her know that. I, no, I'm um, not you old. You're the yeah, old uh-huh, one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got it. So, it can be about anything. What are, as we go forward, what are some of the weirder changes to your everyday life that you think are going to still be there once we get out of lockdown? Okay, first, I think it's the. Uh... The weird co-worker we find ourselves living with 
So very early on in this, when we realised we were living in close quarters 24-7, Veronica and I decided that we weren't going to argue with each other about things that either of us did. It would be the fault of our imaginary co-worker, Linda, who would always <laughs> leave the plates out on the side or like leave the toilet seat up or that kind of thing, saying, man, Linda's done it again. <laughs> it's kind of Linda, what a yeah. It's a good coping mechanism I think we're going to keep after this. That is the <laughs> most incredible thing I've ever heard. Linda, oh my god. I might have to steal that. That's awesome. Steal that. And then it's eventually going to be like, don't be a Linda. You know, it's like, don't be this a character, don't be yeah. a Linda, you know? Or it become a verb, like I linda it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Wei Shen? Well, considering that I'm living alone, I'm in Hong Kong alone right now. I, no, no, so. I, this doesn't have to be the marriage, obviously. I'm, I'm saying what's the one thing that you think is going to be kind of the same, kind of going to be with you for going after uh, the, the the lockdown? Oh, I think it's more the catch up with friends. I think that it will happen more often now. I, I think since everyone has been caught up staying at home and, um, you know, a, a lot of friends that I don't get to speak to very often, although we are close friends. So, like, whenever we speak, we pick off where we, le- we left off, but we don't speak that often. But since the lockdown, they've been, like, reaching out. We, I mean, both um, on their side and my side, we've been reaching out a lot more often. So I think I think that will continue. You yeah. think so? Because I think once this is over, I'm never going to ever, ever accept a Zoom meeting ever again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> Not Zoom. I don't think on Zoom. So like Zoom. So I, yeah, no, maybe like more like WhatsApp video calls or like Messenger video calls, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, no, you gotta be on like my contact list, like James, my personal I, contact list to get to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I think James. I think you're right that you, there's gonna be a lot more people are gonna be like we haven't spoken in a while. Let's have rather than just have a call, which I never really liked having a call. I think a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, let's have a catch-up Zoom. Even, you know, but they live in other places. That's going to be the worst. And I'm just going to be like, no, mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, if we weren't hanging out before, we're not hanging out virtually now. I'm sorry. You I come to back Brooklyn. Virtually. The mountain comes to yeah. Mohammed. You come to Tony and we go for a beer. Exactly. Right? <laughs> come out. I'll buy the first couple rounds. Other than that, we're going back to normal once this thing lifts. <laughs> Danny? Um... So I have, I have two. One is going to make me sound like a pretentious idiot. Uh, so only wh- the well, finest of, French wine. Both of them. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. One is wine because really? you're home. Well, the dude. So you're you're home and you have nothing to do. So it's like, all right, let's go to the wine store. So you pick out some wine and That's you what get you do. and you drink a lot more. And when you drink as much wine when you're at home, you don't want to drink shitty wine. So you start driving. Now I'm not buying like fifty or a hundred dollar bottles of wine, but like you know, I used to go shopping for wine and you'd be like, "All right, what's like everything under ten dollars?" So then you start like up in the ante. So that's one thing that like we've definitely changed. And the other thing, and again, this is gonna make sound like such like, but I've been because the gyms are closed, you can't go work out, so you go running. I've been running in Central Park, and that is something that I do enjoy. Is you get to see a lot more of like the park. I know those are crappy answers that like aren't. As exciting, but that's well, that's my response. Do you wear a mask when you're running? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so here's the deal. So like, I mean, if 
even in Hong Kong, like if that time when the gym wasn't open yet in Hong Kong, um, when I go running, so I'll wear a mask out, but once I start running, I'll keep my mask away because it's impossible to breathe. It's and so hard. It's so it's hard. It's impossible to breathe when and and you just I just you just have to find like a route where you see there are not many people in front of you. Yeah. So I mean, um, also I I run at like early hours, you know, so it's it's not it's not busy anyway. Yeah, no, I do the same thing. I tie, I wear, I wear a bandana, but then when I actually start running, I take it off. And to be fair, I would say 10% of the people that are actually out running have the mask on over their face. And if that makes me a bad person and if I'm canceled because of that, whatever. But I also run so fast because I'm like, and obviously oh, yeah, an incredible yeah. athlete <laughs> coronavirus couldn't catch me anyway so uh, i will be interested to see is like i talk to a lot of friends and they're like because i'm a drinker i'm i'm somebody who goes out to a bar <laughs> i'm a drinker night. i'm a drinker guys, you know? cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Exactly. um so but a lot of my friends like i'm drinking a lot less during the lockdown though i what? still drink so whatever you want to call it during these last couple months um because so there's no bar to go out so i'll just kind of have a couple drinks at home and then i'll just pass out and you know just <laughs> not pass out that's the wrong term now it makes it sound like i'm polishing off like ap i don't drink too much i drink till i black out and then i go i will be interested to see how people handle you know their drinking how they kind of you know all right so now they kind of they all right, this is really nice having a couple of drinks every single night when they weren't doing that before. Well, that's the slippery slope. Maybe you have, ah, you know, what, let me just have two glasses of wine before bed. Then all of a sudden you have to have those two glasses of wine before bed. Like that was one thing that happened with me. It was like when I started going to therapy and I cut back on drinking, I was like, Oh, well, you start to realize, yeah, I need to have a couple <laughs> beers in order to fall asleep. That had to happen. And yeah. it's like, Shit, now I gotta wean myself off this. Oh my god, that's terrible. So I'll be interested to see. I think that there are gonna be so many mental issues that are gonna be that people are gonna develop from this. Like that first time being on a train in a subway that gets stopped underground, somebody's coughing, somebody sneezes the winter time. What that freak out looks like on that train. <laughs> Well, I won't be on that train because I haven't taken a train, a subway. Uh, I haven't taken a subway in years. I think some people are going to develop some some serious issues. I have serious issues in my head, so uh, it's going to be nice nasty. to have some. It's going to be nice to have some people that are going to also be neurotic like me. I, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> looking forward to it. It's, it's it's leveling the playing field. I mean, the train the train is fine. I mean, like the M, the MTR in Hong Kong has been, you know running all this time and uh, I haven't been taking much of it but um, occasionally I have and they have been packed so people are standing next to me so like I'm just more aware but um, I I didn't freak out over that but yesterday uh, I was at the office and I, I decided to go out for lunch with a, a colleague and we went to this place it was, it's outdoors but um, and they set people like right next to us and that's when I started freaking out. I was just like, is, is, uh, is this possible? I thought I, th I thought we were supposed to have like a distance in between. And I, I, I just felt myself going through that like internally. And I was like, stop it. <laughs> hmm. yep. uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be those things. It's going to be 
we'll we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, I I don't know what it'll be, but uh, I I do think that the mental health care profession is going to do quite well over the uh, coming. Uh, w- once people are allowed back to a therapist and stuff like that, I think they're going to do quite well for themselves. You don't need to actually go see a ter- therapist now. They're all available and like. I tried doing that. It's, it's absolutely terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> It's like I could talk to you. Or I could go play this video game now. I'm gonna go play this video game. Now. <laughs> All right. Well, let's leave it on mental health. And uh, <laughs> uh, Dan James, thanks so much uh, for uh, coming back on um, hey, and for all the work you guys did when uh, you guys were the hosts here. Of course. Thanks Appreciate for having you. us. Thank yeah, this you. is this is great. Keep uh, to another 200 episodes. Yeah, we'll see you in four years. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll still be here. <laughs> so this week we actually have a guest on, but before we get into that, um, we have a smart streams to sponsor this week, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know them, and uh, we hope that you support the people that support this podcast by clicking on the reconciliations paper. Uh, last week I told the crowd, I, I told you all, I was like, I'm going to hunt you down. If you didn't click on this white paper, I was going to have to, you know, just just find you. Social distancing didn't matter. You got to click on this white paper. So most of you were good. But I did notice because, you know, we're always keeping stats. Big Brother's always watching. I did notice that Tommy Quirk of LBC Capital Management listened to the podcast but did not click on the link. Tommy, I know it was you and you broke my heart. <laughs> well, well done, Wei Shen. You nailed it. You nailed the line. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> 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 oh my god oh my god okay <laughs> uh, I think I can't look at you when you say that <laughs> I'm gonna turn the screen off and like just look at the script oh god <laughs> Now it's going to be hard for me now to get through this, but okay. (laughs) I'm sorry.